The massive climate bill was blocked today in the Senate. We'll discuss the prospects for its return and why it fell apart. Also, Democrat strategist Carl Jeffers joins us to talk about the presidential campaign. Will Hillary leave her options open? This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. We've put together a committee. We are going to uh, be equally deliberative in how we move forward. And we're not going to do it in the press, and we're not going to do it through surrogates. All right, that's Barack Obama. He is the Democrat candidate for President of the United States, and he's talking about the VP selection process. Who will it be? Will it be Hillary Clinton? Earlier today, Obama said, you know, this is going to be the last time I talk to you about the VP, and the next time will be when I announce who the VP is going to be. But let's get some insight into this today. Later in the program, we'll be talking to a leading Democrat, liberal, reporter, commentator, analyst, our favorite Democrat, Carl Jeffers, will be with us. We're going to ask him, what would an Obama presidency look like? And by the way, today, this is a local breaking story, T.D. Jakes, the big charismatic preacher, says the Obama nomination gives me goosebumps. What does he mean by that? We're going to talk Hmm. more about Obama's abortion agenda You don't want to miss that coming up at the half hour. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Warner-Lieberman Climate Security Act of 2008, we spent the whole program on it yesterday, is dead for now. The Republicans um, blocked it, but the Democrats also ran away from it to some degree in the end. And so uh, tonight we're going to sort of try to talk about what happened. And, of course, we can expect another global warming bill in the next Congress, and it would, unlike this bill, probably be signed uh, by any of the presidential candidates. Uh, But uh, one senator talked about why this bill would be an economic disaster. This bill raises gas prices, which are already at record levels. This bill kills U.S. jobs and sends even more U.S. jobs abroad. This bill raises energy prices when taxes are too high and creates more bureaucracy when bureaucracy is already too large. That's Senator Jim Inhofe. He was the lead opponent to the bill and the ranking member in the Senate Environment and Public Works 
committee. And uh, this report from Washington, Mark Smith, uh, talks about how the Republicans actually blocked the bill. Uh, and this bill would have forced major reductions in greenhouse gases, but it was also going to be a tax increase on the poor. More from Backers Washington. of the bill imposing a cap-and-trade system for carbon pollution fell a dozen votes short of ending a GOP filibuster. Still, Connecticut Senator Joseph Lieberman says the debate made clear Congress gets it on fighting global warming. It may be a small step forward for mankind. It's a giant step forward for the United States Senate. Backers say Congress will pass something like this next year, and either Barack Obama or John McCain will sign it. But Republican leaders called it a massive tax hike and the biggest remake of the economy since the New Deal. And for now, they have prevailed. Mark Smith, Washington. You know, I think a lot of people thought this was a good economic time uh, to do this bill and a good time in the presidential race, but it actually turned out to be a bad time because uh, tax uh, uh, gas prices are rising so high, and we've heard that the price of oil might even reach $150 a barrel. Uh, and at a time when food prices are rising, uh, there's threats of inflation, and people are feeling it in their pocketbooks, the point was made in these deliberations that this would be uh, really a very expensive bill for the taxpayer, for corporations, and uh, just everybody involved. And there was another uh, sort of uh, issue that came into this that you don't hear in the news too often, but Senator Mitch McConnell, who is uh, the Republican leader in the Senate, tried to make a deal on this to say, uh, perhaps we will get behind you and let at least let this bill go forward if you will allow some of President Bush's uh, judicial nominees to come forward. Because uh, in another story, uh, the judges just are not moving. And we're uh, coming toward, Dr. Johnson, actually a judicial emergency in some of these courts. And uh, this, uh, so he tried to sort of make a deal to say uh, some Republicans will at least allow this to come up for a vote if... Some of these nominees will come forward. He wanted three by Memorial Day. The holiday came and went, and only one nominee was approved. So that didn't happen. And then Democrats also began to run away from this because of the expense involved. Now, again, uh, the co-sponsor of the bill was Senator Joe Lieberman of Connecticut, and he is actually happy. He thinks the bill got a lot of backing, but I think this is a lot of rhetoric. Fifty-four members of the Senate said a little more specifically that they want to use a cap-and-trade market-based system to reduce the carbon pollution that causes global warming. Of course, as we That's discuss- a giant step forward. Of course, as we discussed uh, yesterday, cap-and-trade means uh, there's a cap on the amount of CO2 that can be emitted by certain industries, and if you're going to emit more than your limit, you get to buy sort of an indulgence from the government. That's why this bill would have cost so much, and that's why it began to be so unfair. Okay, I heard Ian Murray yesterday. That was a tremendous interview. And, uh, you know, he said, look, this is socialism. This is already happening in Europe, this cap and trade system, and it's not working. And uh, let me ask you this question out there, listeners. Which is more responsible for more global warming, your SUV or your Big Mac? Believe it or not, it's the burger. The international meat industry generates roughly 18% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions, more than transportation, according to last year's United Nations Food hmm. and Agriculture Organization. That's from Time Magazine, August, uh, April 9th this year. I mean, the point is this, Pena. Uh, 
They're saying the cap and trade on petroleum is the the end all, be all, and end all here. The answer and to it. Actually, meat meat production uh, accounting for more so called greenhouse gases. Now, folks, it's getting hot. It's going to get hotter. hotter. I think here in the Dallas region, we're looking at 94 degrees for the next two days, looking at the news, the weather broadcast. Uh, We want to know what you think about this global warming phenomenon, because Al Gore says, look, it's a planetary emergency. Al Gore says we have a fever. Al Al Gore says we don't have time to play around. We have a bill. Uh, This bill was going to cost trillions and trillions of dollars. I saw a story today from the AP panel that says it's going to take forty five trillion dollars to do what Al Gore and company say we need to do internationally. We want to know, do you believe Al Gore and company are right? Do we need the $45 trillion fix? Or do you believe this is a hoax? Or do you believe it's just a big mistake? Again, um, polar bear population at an all-time high right now, 25,000 up from 5,000 about uh, 20 years ago. But people are saying, oh, the polar bears are threatened, the population at an all-time high. Al Gore saying, look, the last 10 years, the 10 hottest in history. Not true. In fact, uh, in the last 10 years, we've been steady and slightly cooling. And the hottest year on record is in the 1930s, not in the last 10 years. The number is 800 881-9270. Get in the mix on this. 800-881-9270. Here is Joe Lieberman again saying, oh, we've got to react to global warming. The 54 vote says to the American people, who I think are way ahead of Washington in terms of their appreciation of uh, the seriousness of the global warming threat and the need to do something about it, that we're, we're hearing them, we're getting it. And uh, help is coming. All right. Lieberman says the 54 votes say that you are with him and with them, with Al Gore, with Joe Lieberman. Where are you? The number is 800-881-9270. It's hot today. What does that mean? 800-881-9270. Well, 54 votes isn't even enough to get cloture or uh, to get to move on to voting on the issue. And, you know, it's very interesting. I think what really happened here was when the numbers, these huge numbers, uh, and seeing that it's going to be a tax increase, that it's going to disproportionately affect the poor uh, in our country, uh, that it was just politically the wrong time for a lot of senators for to vote for this type of thing, showing that it would hurt certain sectors. And there is a, a figure coming out of the Congressional uh, Budget o- Office that says that uh, it would generate over $6.7 trillion in revenues through two, uh, 2050 from selling these carbon allowances. But what that really means is it's taking $6.7 trillion from people, from the American consumer in some way or another. And, of course, then they say they're going to turn around and pass this back on to certain families and workers. But the government gets to decide. And what this really was was a big government power grab. Okay, I'm looking at a bunch of magazines. I've got The Economist. It says the heat is on, climate change. I've got Newsweek, save our planet or else. I've got time, a thick, almost a hardback special at the uh, stores this year, global warming, the causes, the perils, the solutions, what you can do. I have again here Time Magazine, April 9. Uh, It's all about uh, how you can save the planet. What do you think? We've got Chris on the line uh, from Waxahachie. Chris, what do you make of this? Chris, are you there? 
Well, I think we missed Chris. Uh, Penna, people need to put this in context. It's very important. Um, We have been in a slightly warming period over the last 20, 30 years. But uh, if you go back to the period between 950 A.D. to 1400, that 500-year period, it's called the medieval warming period. Really? It, uh, it's a period where Greenland was green, and they were growing all kinds of worn crops in England and in Europe. It was a time where the human race was thriving. When we came out of that warming period, and by the way, it's documented that those temperatures are hotter than the temperatures we've had in the last 20, 30 years. And uh, when we went into the little ice age between 1400 and 1800, that's when you began to get the plagues. That's when you began to have a lot of problems. And so that's what we're reacting to when we say, all right, it's warming. Warming with reference to what? With reference to 1850 and the 400, 500 years before that. that was so a I guess you have to period. ask, is, clo- is warming that bad? Well, number one, is it bad? Number two, is it just cyclical? Mm-hmm. And, um, well, we've got Harlan on the line. Harlan, thank you for calling. What's your take on this? Oh, uh, I am agree with you. I think, uh, as we would say here in Texas, uh, Al Gore's full of a lot of bull. Uh, I have said for years, from the first time I heard about global warming, that it was just a natural cycle. Um, and without trying to sound like, a, well, I guess I'm not politically correct, I believe it's a cycle that God put in place from the time he created this earth. It's just a, a cycle we'll go through, and we've done it before, and we'll do it again. Hey, thanks, Harlan. Let's go over quickly to Russell, who's called in from Corsicana. Russell, what's your take on global warming? Well, I'm not the smartest man in the world. I'm just a poor country boy. But it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that, uh, you know, a car is going to put off a little bit more heat than what a horse is. Yes. And I believe that at one time, someday, we are going to have to do something. Like maybe but, go back to riding horses instead of driving cars? And No, ma'am. But we're, we're going to have to do something eventually. And what people are going to have to realize is, is it's, it's going to put an effect on us. Mm. That, that we're actually going to have to be willing to change our lifestyles in order to help the environment. Well, everyone has the right to their own opinion, but as someone said, uh, I think it was Senator Monahan years ago, uh, you don't have the right to your own facts. And um, I think the facts are clear, and that is that this is cyclical. Uh, how do we, how do we respond when we know that we had this huge warming trend a thousand years ago? And we've been in a cooling cycle, and now we're heating back up. Uh, Is this a cause for alarm? I don't think so. Certainly not trillions of dollars. Well, when we come back, Barack Obama, Bishop Jakes, and abortion. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian 
frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. With one more vacancy on the court, we could be looking at a majority hostile to a woman's fundamental right to choose for the first time since Roe versus Wade, and that is what is at stake in this election. All right, that's Barack Obama. In just a minute, we're going to talk about Obama, abortion, and Bishop Jakes. You don't want to miss that, but we've got callers holding about global warming. Once again, here's Senator Barbara Boxer. She says she's encouraged even though the global warming bill failed. This now becomes a bigger issue because it's clear that a majority of the Congress wants to act And that's very, very important. Well, they want to act, but uh, are they trying to do the right thing? I see here Prince Charles says climate change is terrifying. I'm looking at another article that says East Antarctica puts on weight. And so uh, in East Antarctica, actually, the uh, the ice and the snow growing there. So um, you've got all these mixed reports, Penna. Mm -hmm. We've got callers on the line. Darren, thank you for calling in. What do you make of the global warming hysteria? Well, you know, that's basically a farce. You know, if you go back to your basic science of uh, trees and growing, it shows your history of the tree and the water and the temperatures of that time. They've done the same thing with global ice. You know, you, they got to understand they've done deep core, core drilling. And it's shown the same thing, that this has been up and down, up and down, temperature changes for years. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, it's global warming. It sounds like a few people are trying to make a name for themselves to make a little bit of profit. It sounds more of a profit issue than a global warming issue. Well, it will be big business. It already is big business. In fact, as our guest said yesterday, uh, Penna, a lot of American companies are already going green on their own voluntarily, and uh, there, are, there, are, there are companies and corporations now devoted to helping companies go green. And uh, we're doing a lot of this. on our. In fact, I just read the other day that our um, petroleum consumption – 18 million barrels per day is the same as it was 10 years ago. The U.S. economy has grown four times over in the last 10 years, but because of conservation, because of uh, better gas mileage, and because of uh, the way industry is pulling back, we're using about the same amount of oil that we used 10 years ago. We're doing this without a global warming bill, and it's very interesting. Our guest yesterday told us that in Europe, where they most of the countries did sign on to the UN global warming you know, convention, and they didn't meet their goals. Most of the countries didn't meet their goals. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's amazing that our private enterprise system, and when our companies prosper, and then they develop this green technology, they do it on their own through free enterprise. And that's the way we ought to leave it. I think that... Uh, he also talked about property rights and how when you own things, you take care of them. And so when people own things in this country, uh, it's better than having the government grab power because usually uh, things go the opposite direction. They end up costing more and people, individual citizens, end up poorer. 
All right. Uh, this is important, and we've got callers on the line. Russell, thank you for calling and for holding. Again, what's your take on this? Well, I call. I was one to call earlier and said about the getting back to riding the horses and everything. Yeah, somehow you got cut off. Yeah, I got cut off. I'm sorry about that. But I was just going to say what the, the last guy there said is I agree with, or I think too, is, is that's, and sadly that we've become in America, but it seems like everything's about money and how much is it going to cost us and how much of an impact it's going to make. You follow what I'm saying? And I think back, and I'm not, the, like I said, I'm not the brightest man or whatever, but um, we had an ice age however many millions of years ago, thousands of years ago, whatever, they, they say that they proved that, and then that all melted away. And it's like we're in a, in a I think that we're in a, in a cycle. Well, what we so, can document, as I said earlier, Russell, is that from about 850 to about uh, 1450, there was a warming period hotter than this warming period, and there was warm uh, crop production in Europe, in England, even in Greenland, and it was a time of prosperity and thriving for the human race. Now, we've got to move on, Russell. Thank you for your call. We've got Rebecca on the line. I want to give her a chance to, to weigh in on this. Rebecca, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm, I've been kind of putting a lot of thought to it, too. And the whole thing about global warming, I mean, let's just get right down to brass tacks. Our globe has been warming up since the Ice Age. It's just a gradual occurrence that occurs over several centuries as opposed to something that happens in the last 10 years. And it's a cycle that's ordained by God, and I think the politicians are using it as a battle cry, a false battle cry, to kind of rally everybody behind them, much like the government did during the Civil War, where they tried to use slavery as an excuse for the war, and when it was really just about states' rights to begin with. Hmm. Well, I know this. Uh, when you look at CO2, the total CO2 uh, emitted, when you look at uh, human petro CO2 emissions, you're looking at about 2% of the total, two, 1% to 2% mm -hmm. of the total. And for us to think that our 1% or 2% total, that's the total, uh, that adjusting that 1% or 2% will, will save the planet, I think it's a huge mistake. You know, it's kind of funny to think, I mean, I wonder if God is just sort of chuckling, thinking these people think they can really change the climate. I am God. Well, look at this. I'm looking at another story. This is the New York Times. Scientists find active volcano in Antarctica. And the area that they're saying is with thinning, as they've discovered, is thinning because there's a, a volcano. volcano underneath. It's not because you're driving <laughs> your SUV. Well, this is a very important issue. We're going to stay on top of it. I have two huge files here, Penna, two or three inches thick. Uh, we have done lots of research. We've gathered lots of information. We're going to stay on top of this because, unfortunately, on this issue, I think McCain has capitulated and Obama have capitulated. There's incredible doesn't pressure. doesn't matter who is elected. On these, yes, on this particular topic, uh, it may be the difference between extremism one and extremism two. <laughs> but in any case, uh, you know, what Barbara Boxer is right about and some of these other senators is that the momentum is moving in their direction politically. And that's why I feel committed that we have to speak out because we are to be good stewards as Christians. But we have a long view. We have a biblical view of where this started with the curse, with the fall and with sin. And the world is not really going to be made right until Christ returns and renews and remakes this world. And uh, we cannot save the planet. And I don't think we're destroying it. Uh, we certainly shouldn't litter. We shouldn't pollute. We want to be conservationist, but I'm not sure we want to be environmentalist uh, a la Al Gore. 
Penna, I want to talk now. I want to shift gears, and I want to ask our listeners to really tune in now because we've got a local spin on this national story. It is the talk of the country that uh, Al Gore, excuse me, that um, Barack Obama. Different election. Yes. Barack Obama is certainly now set to be the Democrat candidate for president. And uh, we talked two days ago about what this could mean for the country when it comes to race. And I said this could be a good thing on the race issue. That is that uh, it would be nice, all other things being equal, that a black man could be elected as president of the United States. Unfortunately, all other things aren't equal. This is not just any black man. It's a certain black man, Barack Obama. And it's certainly not his race that I would have any problem with. In fact, that is a positive to me. But the negative is his position on so many issues, and particularly the issue of abortion. But I'm looking at a local story here from CNN Politics, and Obama nomination gives goosebumps. And the picture on this article is local bishop T.D. Jakes. Now, folks, I want to remind you of... um, I think the main problem with Barack Obama, Larry, I'd like to go back to that that Planned Parenthood speech that Barack Obama made. Listen carefully to his stated agenda. With one more vacancy on the court, we could be looking at a majority hostile to a woman's fundamental right to choose for the first time since Roe versus Wade, and that is what is at stake in this election. Okay, Obama believes in the fundamental right to choose. Now, Jakes is a black man. Obama is a black man. But, Penna, you had a guest on here several weeks ago who talked about the fact that three out of every five black pregnancies ends in abortion. Abortion is um, being used uh, to more or less exterminate three-fifths of the black population in America. And Obama is an extremist on this. I'm looking at another story today. Uh, a baby uh, born alive in England surviving an abortion. And uh, it's a botched abortion that actually resulted in a, in a baby being born alive. But I want you to remind our listeners about the Infants Born Alive Act, Barack Obama's vote on this sort of a thing and just how far to the left he is on abortion. He's about as far to the left uh, as you can get. And, uh, you know, with regard to this story about this baby that was actually born and survived, I think there was a suspicion of a kidney condition. That's why the mother aborted the baby. The abortion didn't work. The baby was born without the kidney condition, uh, which is scary. And the mother is overjoyed now that this baby was born. First of all, I think that makes a big point right there about life. Yes. But uh, Barack Obama, when he was in the Illinois State Senate, uh, just refused to support, in fact, spoke against, he was the lead spokesperson against, a bill that was like a Born Alive Act. We have the Born Alive Infants Pro- uh, Protection Act in uh, our federal law. This was that same type of law, and it came about because a nurse, Jill Stanick, reported on what happened in her hospital where these babies, the abortion was done, Uh, basically by just inducing labor early. So some of these babies were born alive, and they were left to die uh, without being given any help. She held some of them until they died. She said Barack Obama refused to support a bill that would have given medical care 
to these babies. He also, in that same speech to Planned Parenthood, said he would support the Freedom of Choice Act, which would wipe out all the restrictions on abortion that exist in our laws right now. That's how pro-abortion Barack Obama is. All right, when we come back, we will talk to a black liberal political commentator, Carl Jeffers. He's our favorite liberal, but we're going to talk to him about the inconsistency here of Obama and Jake's really endorsing Obama when you consider that three-fifths of the black population being aborted in America. We'll also talk about Hillary as VP. We'll be right back. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. We've put together a committee. We are going to uh, be equally deliberative in how we move forward. And we're not going to do it in the press, and we're not going to do it through surrogates. All right, that's Barack Obama talking about how he's going to pick his vice president. Of course, a lot of people think that... um, He's got to face the big decision first, Penna, and that is Hillary, yay or nay. And here's a report from Warren Levinson out of New York on Hillary Clinton's plans. Hillary Clinton will formally give up her presidential campaign at noon Saturday in Washington. Her campaign says in a statement she'll thank supporters at the National Building Museum and endorse Barack Obama for president. The two met secretly Thursday at the Washington home of California Senator Dianne Feinstein. Obama passed the number of delegates he needs to wrap up the presidential nomination on Tuesday. Clinton was expected to acknowledge the fact at her primary night celebration that evening, but did not. Warren Levinson, New York. Okay, Penna, so uh, I'm looking at a poll here. A majority of Democrats want the Obama-Clinton ticket. However, a majority of Obama supporters do not want Clinton Mm -hmm. on the ticket. It's the majority of Clinton supporters that want her on the ticket. He would be crazy to nominate her. We're going to have to ask our friend Carl Jeffers about it, but I think he'd be nuts because, first of all, it would make him look weak. She's already obviously been campaigning for it and pressuring for it, even though she says she's not. And, you know, the fact that Hillary gets her way right away would make him look like a weak candidate and a weak president. And also, you know, the reason why a lot of Republicans really wanted Hillary to be the nominee is because she has so many negatives and she still has them. There are a lot of people that are very happy right now in the Democrat Party because they finally think they've gotten rid of the Clintons. I think the question is, have they? All right. Well, we're going to talk about it in just a moment with Carl Jeffords. But let's go back now to Senator Dianne Feinstein on the development. It is critical that we have a united party. It is critical that Senator Obama and Senator Clinton work together. And all of us who are Democrats ought to be willing to facilitate that in any way possible. This was one small step. All right, it's critical that they work together. I don't know if she means that uh, they uh, actually run on the same ticket, but she uh, facilitated this secret powwow uh, last mm-hmm. night. And we don't know what they we said. We don't know what happened. Um, and But the, the elephant in the room is President Bill Clinton, and that is what will his role be, um, you know, in the White House um, with nothing to do, as someone said, you know. And uh, they are so big on the political scene, the Clintons, that they just suck all the air out of the room. Does Barack Obama really want Bill and Hillary 
uh, right there. Here's John Edwards saying, well, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in the job. Uh, I had the privilege of being able to do that in 2004, uh, and it's not something I'm interested in doing. Wow. We thought he might be interested, and that's why he endorsed Barack Obama a couple of weeks ago. But uh, obviously, he's been there, done that. He doesn't want this. Mm, yeah. Well, we'll take some calls on this. Uh, the number is 800-881-9270. If you have a comment about uh, Hillary Clinton, particularly uh, Hillary Clinton supporters out there, will you vote for Obama? If We heard it from a lot of supporters the other day who said, well, uh, we won't. But I'm wondering if Hillary is on the ticket, if people would support Obama. So you might want to give us a call, 800-881-9270, if you're a Clinton supporter. And uh, you would support Obama if she is added to this ticket. Um, I think, Penna, we've got to get back to the issues. Uh, And now we've got Carl on the line. Uh, I'm so glad. Carl Jeffers. Uh, he is our favorite liberal here on Jerry Johnson Live. He is the editorial contributor to the Seattle Times. He's a radio talk show host, a lecturer, political analyst. He has his own show called On Fire with Carl Jeffers. Carl, Hello, welcome Jerry. to the program. It's good to have you on today. Uh, we know that you were tuned in to the Clinton campaign. What happened last night at the Feinstein House, and uh, where is this heading on Saturday? Well, first of all, uh, there are not too many people that know <laughs> what happened last night other than other than those that heard Diane Feinstein this morning tell them what happened because that's how secretive it was. And, in fact, it was so secretive that the uh, press this morning was actually very miffed at uh, the Senator Obama and his campaign because in order to make this effective, the campaign actually put all of the press uh, members on the plane and had them thinking that Senator Obama was on the plane ready to take off. So they were pretty upset, but they figured that was the only way they could get away with, uh, uh, you know, keeping the secret. And uh, they spoke for about an hour. Uh, Diane Feinstein left the living room. It's her home in Washington where she hosted the two of them. And uh, they spent a good hour uh, talking about, believe it or not, most people think they spent the hour talking about uh, whether one would be vice president, uh, you know, whether, not one, whether Hillary would be Freudian slip. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. You see, that shows you how how committed I was that I wasn't still ready yet to give up. (laughs) Well, let me ask you this, Carl, because it is true that a majority of Democrats want the joint ticket, but a majority of Obama supporters do not want Clinton on the ticket. What do you make of that statistic? Uh, the statistic is absolutely correct. And as a matter of fact, what's even perhaps more insightful, if not interesting, is that an overwhelming majority of Barack Obama's African-American supporters are even more strident that they do not want Hillary uh, on the ticket because they they feel that there's still a lot of wounds there mm. that, that need to be healed. And they also think that uh, Obama should be, in their judgment, allowed to do this on his own. So what they're thinking is that if Hillary's on the ticket and it wins, that uh, she'll claim the credit and so forth. I would encourage African Americans to consider that if they really want him to win, think about what happens if she's not on the ticket and he loses. So they, they have to be a bit mature about if, you know, analyzing the political uh, obstacles here. But the other thing that is of concern uh, is that, uh, that African Americans as a potential group are not happy about the Hillary choice, but among 
the uh, uh, rest of the Democrats uh, in the country, Jerry, uh, young voters, that is most of those new voters who the Obama camp uh, brought into the political process for the first time, and very liberals that, you know, the MoveOn.orgs, the Air America right, types, right, right. they are all adamant against Hillary Clinton. And for the same reason, I would caution them that they are beginning to look at this in a prism where they somehow think that he's just going to roll through this election and and got the White House sewed up and that they don't need Hillary. Let me remind everyone that with all of the problems the Bush administration has, with gas prices over $4, with the economy faltering, with the housing markets uh, deteriorating, and with the president still saying this morning that he thinks the stimulus package is working. I don't know who believes that, but nevertheless, that's a sample with all of those problems and with the idea of the continuation of the third term. Even with all of that, and with Iraq still very unpopular in the country, John McCain is only three points behind, mm-hmm. and in one poll, one point behind. I got to get this question in, at Carl. This early stage, sure, Tana. How are you? Know, you? Fine. Sorry, I missed you when you were in Dallas last time. Oh, I, I, I Jerry, tell her how many times I asked. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, I couldn't be here that okay. night. But listen, you know the Clintons, and this is what's been bugging me. This question is: Tomorrow, do you think Hillary's going to really quit, or do you think she'll like suspend her campaign, hold her pledge delegates, mm-hmm. just in case something happens, just in case Obama makes a misstep, just in case? They can fight for those Michigan delegates at the convention. Do you think she'll hold her options open? Well, I think that's an excellent question, Tanan. And what it does, it gives me a chance to uh, point out something that might be informative for our listeners today. Number one, she would not have to suspend the campaign to be available if, as you put it, something happens, because that is a real possibility. In two months, uh, two months is a long time in this political season. A week a, is a, a long lot time. could happen. He could make some mistake. There could be some other Jeremiah right out there or something that really tumbles him. If that happens, whether she suspends or not, she would still be available, because remember, Pledged delegates still are only pledged for the first ballot. And at this point, if he's got the superdelegates that have announced for him that takes him over, not the pledged delegates, uh, the reality is is that they could still change their mind. Number two, the reason why she will only suspend her campaign tomorrow and not actually completely uh, withdraw, but she will suspend with a complete and total endorsement of Senator Obama, but by suspending the campaign rather than completely terminating it, it allows her to continue to raise funds which would enable her to pay down the t- anywhere from 20 to $30 million of debt. And if you notice, there are actually still solicitations for uh, uh, voters and supporters of Hillary Clinton to go to the Hillary.com, uh, HillaryClinton.com, and still make contributions, which is legal for another about two weeks or so, provided that her campaign is still suspended. So, so there's a technical reason why she will uh, only suspend and not completely shut it down and withdraw, but that does not impact, however, her intent to actually formally, openly, and enthusiastically endorse Senator Obama. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest, Carl Jeffers, he's editorial contributor to the Seattle Times. He also has his own show, On Fire with Carl Jeffers. He's our favorite liberal here. We want to know what's happening with the Democrats and uh, on the left. Carl, let me ask you this question. I'm looking at a story today that came out, Obama's 143 days of Senate experience. Actually, in the Senate, he has spent 143 days. Uh, And here he's going to be the commander-in-chief, lead the world, uh, lead America. Do you believe in this VP choice he is going to have to reach out with somebody, to somebody, with some kind uh, of experience? 
Well, he does, and, and first of all, let me let me just add too, because I also am an editorial contributor to the Huffington Post, and I would invite everyone to to go to the Huffington Post and search me. My posting this week is specifically on the vice presidential choices for that both is a Obama really liberal and website. And, uh, yeah, and we can talk. In fact, Jerry, you and I have talked about it because you you know I, you and I talked about how I think Colin Powell. He would have been a great choice mm. for McCain uh, for a lot of reasons, including race. Um, listen, you're preaching to the when you yeah. talk to me about this. Obama's <laughs> <laughs> 143 days in the Senate because I have maintained all along that while the primary campaign was about the hope and inspiration, that the November election will focus much more on experience and leadership. Carl, we're out of time. Thank you so much. We'll have you back soon. I look forward to all it. All right. Bye-bye. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. With one more vacancy on the court, we could be looking at a majority hostile to a woman's fundamental right to choose for the first time since Roe versus Wade, and that is what is at stake in this election. That is what is at stake, a woman's right to choose to kill an unborn baby, hope for everyone but the unborn, maybe not hope for others. We'll, we can argue about that one. But line two, we got Tom from Farmer's Branch wanting to talk about Obama and Hillary. Tom, thanks for holding. What's your view? Uh, thank you, Dr. Johnson. Enjoy your program very much. Uh, assuming that uh, we all can agree that we would much rather see uh, uh, McCain win the election than Barack Obama, uh, I guess my statement is there was a comment made a few minutes ago that if he chose Hillary to be his uh, running mate, that he would be absolutely crazy to do so. Well, if being crazy to do that uh, means that that would hurt his chances of, of winning the, the presidency, then by all means let him. Let him have any misstep, make any misstep that he can that would ultimately hurt his chances uh, in November. You know, it's interesting because, I mean, that may be contrary to Carl Jeffers' wisdom because he thinks Hillary lends a strength to the ticket. But I think it just diminishes Barack Obama so much uh, to think that he would have to pick her. Uh, it almost be like she's his mother there in the campaign. I mean, in a sense, she she was so much stronger than him in the beginning, and he won, but he's so much younger than she is. The Clintons have wielded so much power. And, you know, if he picks her because he thinks he has to, I 
can't imagine that he would want to, then it just simply shows weakness. And if he's still elected with that, I still think it shows that he'll be a very weak president. All right. We've got Emmanuel on the line from Fort Worth. Thank you for calling. What's your view? All right. My view is that Obama will be a not for him to take uh, Hillary as, as his running mate. And my reason is this. I'm not a, a Democrat, you know, but he is a black man and I'm a black man. He's already got there. It will be okay for him, even if he lose, let him lose that he has given it everything that he got. Mm-hmm. And then he knows that he lost, but has tried everything that he has and putting Clinton there. Because I think what, he, what she's going to do is to really overwhelm him. She is not going to be loyal to Obama. Because if she had pulled out when she was supposed to do that, then it would be a different thing. But when I look at her, it shows me that she won it at all costs. So Obama will be making the greatest mistake of his life, putting Clinton as Well, that's very interesting, Emmanuel. Thank you for that call. Uh, the fact is, uh, Al Gore was not loyal to the Clintons in the last year of the presidency. Mm-hmm. That was well known. Why? Because he wanted to run his own campaign. And uh, would Hillary Clinton uh, be a help or a hindrance? Uh, Well, we're going to stay on this story. We'll have breaking news Monday, I'm sure about it, Penna. Look, today is June 6th, and that's a special day in American history. We want to honor all of the veterans who fought on D-Day especially. This was the mightiest battle of the Second World War. And a lot of people say, you know, America's a secular nation, never been a Christian nation. It's wrong for presidents to say, in God we trust, or uh, God bless America. It's hard to envision a president praying for over six minutes, leading the nation in prayer, a six-minute-plus prayer. We've pulled out a minute of Franklin Delano Roosevelt's D-Day prayer. Let's just listen to that prayer. And again, thank God for the freedoms we enjoy and for our veterans today. I ask you to join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. Lead them straight and true. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings, Their road will be long and hard. For the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces. Success may not come with rushing speed. But we shall return again and again. And we know that by thy grace and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. All right, that's Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR, June 6, 1944, leading the nation in prayer as we began to invade France, attacking the Nazis in the Second World War. A lot of lessons from that prayer. We go again and again and again. There may be setbacks. People need to hear that message today when we think about Iraq, when we think about the war against terror. Bush said, we will not tire, we will not falter, we will not fail. Everybody applauded. Then everybody's giving up after four or five years. They say, oh, you know, this is too hard. Look, this is a a war by the Islamo-terrorists against us. We have to win. We have to stay in it, Pena. There are some lessons there, but especially the dependence on God 
the prayer of the president depending upon God. Uh, We need that again today Mm -hmm. in America. You know, there are a lot of blessings going to the past, and uh, that's really what the website wacriswell.com is about. It's a new broadcast on KCBI, KCRN, KSYE, every Sunday night at 7 o'clock. And I want to give the people tonight, Penna, just a little taste of what you get this Sunday night at 7 o'clock. Every Sunday night, Dr. Criswell preaches. And let's just have a little bit of Dr. Criswell preaching about Jesus Christ. By Him, the fullness of redemption flows from the wounds of Calvary to the ends of the earth and to the last man who will ever turn and believe. By Him, I say, in the divine providence, in the divine scheme of things, there are some things that are accorded for archangels to do. There are some things accorded for the seraphim and the cherubim to do. There are some things assigned to the ministering spirits of God to do. There are some things that are assigned for man to do. But there's one thing that no one else could do except our Lord, and that was to save us by His blood from our sins. He alone could do that. There is no substitute for Jesus. None. A man can't run like a deer. And a man invented and substituted a car, an automobile. A man can't fly like an eagle. And they invented and substituted an airplane. A man can't swim like a fish. And they invented and substituted a submarine. But when we were lost and undone, there's no substitute for Jesus Christ. All right, that's Dr. W. Pretty exciting service That's pretty exciting. It's exciting every Sunday night, 7 o'clock, KCBI, KCRN, KSYA, com. If you can't wait, go to that website, com. But he was just saying, uh, Jesus is enough. Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is supreme. And that really is our message here, Christ above all. For Christ and culture. That's really the theme of Jerry Johnson Live. We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.